0: Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're having a nice weekend. A little later, people are traveling and gathering again. How do things look for Lexington heading toward the fall when conventions are coming back and Keeneland will be fully open for guests. Mary Quinn Raymer from Visit Lex will be joining us shortly. But first, the numbers are tough. Nearly two dozen homicides in Lexington so far this year on pace to be a record. And beyond the lost lives. Lives. the violence has left others injured and still more certainly on edge in a city known for its horses and hospitality. Divine Karama has stepped up to try to help. Karama played minor league baseball in the Cleveland Indians organization before becoming a hip-hop artist so it's quite a resume. With that career going he established a coat crusade for kids and now his message and his passion is stopping violence in Lexington. Mayor Linda Gorton named him head of One Lexington and said that Divine's career is hard to contain on a resume, but his focus is clear, and that's young people. Divine Karama joining us on Kentucky NewsMakers. Thanks for being good here. Morning. Appreciate
1: it very much. No problem. Thanks, Bill. Uh, uh,
0: why is this such a good fit for you uh, to, to take this position at this time to try to steer young people in the right direction and get a handle on this violence?
1: I I think that my life's work is has trended towards this position. Um, You know we see a lot of um, intervention when it comes to um, violence within our community but i think one thing um, that we got to increase in lexington now that the numbers are starting to rise is prevention tactics and um, prevention is something i've been doing the last two decades and so i think with the work i've been doing within my own organization partnering with fed county public schools and just being on the front lines working with these young people Um, I think that I'm the right person for the job, um, but it's not going to take one person. Um, One Lexington um, means one Lexington in the literal sense, and that it's going to take all of us.
0: You've seen the violence escalate and the numbers climb, and uh, you've, uh, you've been saying it requires teamwork, as you're, as you're saying here right now. Yeah. How do you get more people in the community in, engaged in, in uh, trying to uh, make some sense of this and trying to uh, prevent the violence?
1: Sure. So one thing my mother always told me when I was young was it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. And I think um, because of my background in the community and my work, I think I can speak the language to try to get the everyday person more involved into the process of violence reduction. Um, And I think everybody has a role to play. Um, Violence starts way before um, the gun is fired, way before the altercation. There are things that lead to those altercations, some systemic, um, some are matters of the heart. Um, And I think all of us have a role to play. Um, and healing some of those things so we can see um, a reduction of violence because this isn't the Lexington that we all know and love. Um, but I think it's important to know too that this just isn't a local issue. You know, we're seeing violence increase all over the nation.
0: What are you trying to do to, to get more cooperation between the police uh, and the neighborhoods and the young people out there?
1: Sure, um, it starts with a conversation. Um, I think uh, one thing we saw in 2020 with the social unrest and and some of the things that were highlighted is that um, it wasn't a political issue there for a while. It was just right and wrong Um, because we were in the middle of a pandemic. All of us had to kind of lean on each other and we had to communicate. And I think you saw some of those divides heal. Um, I think Lexington has a great police department, um, especially compared to a lot of places I've traveled to and so and i think lexington is a great community so i think there's a space for the police department and the community to continue to heal get to know each other build a stronger relationship to make our city safer Um, And I think that there's ways that we can do that. Um, I think the police department has been pretty proactive in that. Um, But I think that there's more that they can do. I think there's more that the community can do to heal that divide as well, because it's going to take both. Um, It's going to take our law enforcement. It's going to take our justice system. It's going to take our faith community, community organizers, all to come together. And that's the only way that we're going to defeat this thing.
0: You made the comment uh, that uh, this is not the Lexington we know. You grew up here. You went to sure. Tates Creek High School and to LCA. Uh, what changed? Uh,
1: it's a few things that have changed. I, I think we've seen an influx of gang activity um, as we've had people come here from other areas of the country. Um, so we've seen gang, act- gang activity among youth um, increase Um, I think there's some systemic things um, in regards to housing um, and other issues. Um, I think this pandemic has a lot to do with it. Um, A lot of our kids, depending on where they lived, um, lost an entire year of school. Um, And for those that work in this sector like I do, school isn't just a place where a lot of these kids learn, but for some of these kids, um, it is a space where they can get um, full square square meals in a day. Um, they can receive mental health services um, and other resources that they may not be able to get at home. And so um, I think all of that plays a part into where we are. Um, but, again, I I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just going to take all of us coming together.
0: Lexington is joining this national group, uh, Cities United. Yes. And uh, tell, tell us what resources that may bring in that could be helpful in the effort.
1: Sure. I, you know, I think one thing people have to realize is um, the numbers that we're seeing we've never seen before in Lexington. So... Um, One thing we've been able to do in the past is operate in silos. The church kind of does their thing. Education system does their thing. Community activists have been splintered. But now that we're seeing these numbers rise, we're realizing that we all have to come together. But I'm not sure if we truly know how to do that. A national organization like Cities United, apropos, can unite us within our city and just teach us how to work together. Um, But then also I think they got some nationally vetted practices that have worked in some other cities that can work here. And I think the thing I want people to know, Bill, is they're not coming in with a template. They're not coming in with a cookie cutter saying this is the way it's going to be. They actually want to come here for several months first and learn about Lexington and see what works for us and then help us devise a plan.
0: In some other cities, they've even uh, uh, gone to hospitals and talked with uh, gunshot victims and and had those kinds of discussions about uh, uh, turning their lives around once they recover.
1: Yeah, and that's something, ironically enough, shouts to Laura Hatfield, who previously held my position. She's now at Parks and Rec. Um, that's something that um, you know, we do um, through our safety net program. And so a lot of what we're already doing on the ground are some of the tactics that Cities United will be using, but they're going to teach us how to streamline it. And so it's going to be a partnership. It's not going to be they come into our city and change a lot. Um, it's just going to be a partnership.
0: Sometimes when you do an assessment, you you, you find out what is working. That's and, right. And, and what, uh, what what may not be working. That's what you, you'll be doing in this uh, first without, few months.
1: Without question. And, two, Bill, we, we want to have a plan moving forward.
0: You know, uh, older residents uh, of all races in Lexington have, uh, have expressed a, a lot of concern about uh, what's going on, hoping to keep peace in their neighborhoods and, and wandering. Uh, how can, uh, you know, older folks in lexington i don't just mean older but you know parents grandparents others mm-hmm. out there uh engage in this process and, and be helpful
1: i think there's two things um one thing being um somebody who's 40 years old turning 41 i kind of remember life before the internet but i also remember when the internet came and so I think I want to be that bridge between our elders and our young people. I think we need the energy of our our young people, but we also need the knowledge and wisdom of our elders. So I think um, you know our elders within Lexington just engaging young people. um, I think them being part of the process, whether it's the PTA in their children's school, um, being active within their church, um, neighborhood engagement events, um, which we do quite a bit of those through One Lexington. Um, I think there is a part to play for our elders because they've, you know, they've seen a lot. They've been around. And so teaching young people that they can learn a lot from their elders and kind of even healing that divide, um, I think there's a huge role for them to play. There's quite a few that I call, whether it's a PG Peoples or uh, Pastor Gaines, um, and just learning and listening to them. And so there's a role for all of us to play.
0: I mean, it can be uh, as simple as how to de-escalate that's a situation.
1: That's right? it. And I think that's huge. Um, conflict resolution things that some of these young kids just don't know um and have never been taught um i think there's spaces for our elders to come in and and provide that knowledge and wisdom Uh,
0: you know this is a big challenge it
1: is and and (laughs) do you
0: do you see it as that there is something by which you will measure success as to how things are going
1: you know when you talk about community activism violence reduction youth engagement um When you think of some of our ancestors and people that did the work before us, um, you're kind of naive to even think you'll see the fruits of the work you're doing while you're even alive. And so I would love to be able to see the fruits of this work, but I'm also thinking long-term. I'm thinking about my baby girl, Zola, who's four years old. I'm thinking about my future grandchildren. How can we make Lexington safer for them? And so I I don't necessarily have a, a metric of success, But I'm going to keep pounding the pavement and keep doing the work. Um, And I do think over time, um, we're going to get Lexington. um, I don't want to say back to the Lexington that we know, um, because I think some of the issues that we're seeing have been around a long time. But I want to see Lexington in its best version. And I think we're going to we're going to get there.
0: You know, there there will always be differences, uh, certainly. There there are always political differences. There are different uh, people want to approach things in a different way. Uh, So your challenge, it appears, is to try to get as many people who agree on this subject that there needs to be a better path forward uh, for young folks. Uh, to, to get together in, on that and, and try to to, to, uh, to have some kind of a common ground that can, can move the city.
1: That's it. Um, communication is huge. Um, prior to me taking this position, um, I was front lines, very impulsive, very reactive. Whatever need to be done, I would hop out into the streets and, and try to get the job done. But what I'm learning with this position is that there's a communication piece to it and that it's not a one-man show. This isn't um, Divine Karama on a hip-hop stage or in the batter's box. Um, I am working with the team, and it's going to take this entire city. Um, so, just trying to bring people together is a challenge, um, but I love it.
0: Did that just dawn on you? Uh, it did. It
1: was a freestyle, Bill. <laughs> it did, but but it's so relevant. It, it is relevant that. I mean, so so last year changed you. It did. It did. I I think. And and even suffering just personal tragedy, you know, losing my daughter, you know, she was 18 and being able to lean on um, community members, community partners, going through this pandemic, this social unrest, marching and protesting arm in arm with my neighbors um, when we needed things during the pandemic, being able to lean on people. It really just showed me that um, when we are together, uh, we can truly do anything. And that's when we are at our best. Um, and that's why I love the name One Lexington, um, because for so long to a lot of people, there's been two Lexingtons. Um, there's been one um, for minorities and one for the majority. And so how can we continue to heal that divide and bring people together?
0: How hopeful are you that, uh, that, that this is going to happen?
1: Glass half full, always. I'm very hopeful, um, you know, the God that I serve. Um, in the faith that I have and in my daily walk, I can't help but to be hopeful, and so very hopeful.
0: What else do you want people to know about your efforts from this day forward and uh, the needs that you may have to be successful and the fact that you may be reaching out and asking for that?
1: Sure. Um, We need people from the business sector. We need faith leaders. We need our education systems. We need the everyday person that works a nine-to-five we need everybody to be a part of this process. We need volunteers. Uh, we need opportunities for these young people, and it's going to take us all. And I want people to know that better days are coming, um, but we have to be proactive in chasing those better days. It's not just going to come. Um, the progress in, um, in technology, social media, um, access to guns, gang activity things are progressing, evil is progressing, so righteousness has to continue to progress too. And so um, I'm here for the long haul and we are open to anybody that is passionate about making our community safer, so please reach out to us um, in the mayor's office. Um, Linda Gordon's doing some amazing things. Um, as you know, she just started the uh, job training program at Charles Young, and so um, we got a lot of things going on that people can be a part of.
0: Vine Karama, thank you for coming in. Now leading one Lexington. We yes, appreciate sir. you. Thank you, Bill. Hope you'll stay with us now here on WKYT. Even with the challenges uh, in this area, Lexington is beautiful and Lively place to visit, you know that. Mary Quinn Raymer from Visit Lex joins us next to talk about the return of tourism. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. We've talked about one of Lexington's biggest challenges. Now we're shifting to take some measure of what people love about the heart of the bluegrass. The pandemic canceled conventions It forced restaurant goers to do carry out and kept all of us masked up until vaccines started getting things under control. How quickly will things, though, roar back? Mary Quinn Raymer is joining us from Visit Lex, and we're going to ask her about that. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it very so much. much. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, now that things are opening back up and Lexington can put itself on full display uh, once again, how are things looking as we head through the summer and toward the fall?
2: Well, I'm very pleased to be sitting in the studio with you. Yes, good to have Finally, you. not on Zoom anymore. And I'm also pleased to report that things are looking up. We have had a really uh, had a fantastic June in the hospitality industry here in Lexington and are very optimistic about the way the fall is shaping up.
0: Uh, you said in June you had a lot of hotel. Uh, we did. Visits, right? We
2: did. We hosted our first large scale convention since prior to the pandemic. We had at the end of June about 2,600 attendees. They were in for the Lutheran women's mission conference and they were actually the first group to uh, meet in the new newly expanded exhibit hall and use some of the breakout rooms at the central bank center. So. We've got phase two um, under construction. That will be finished in the first part of 2022, but we're so thrilled that that part of that facility is open for business and we're welcoming people from all across the country.
0: Uh, So how much with the the customers coming back, how much difficulty are some of the venues having with the workforce right now? You know, we continue to hear that uh, it is difficult for restaurants and others to get uh, a reliable staff at the moment.
2: Very much so. I think we're hearing across all different types of industries that workforce is an issue and we certainly are not, um, you know, we're certainly dealing with many of those same challenges in the hospitality space. Thankfully, we've seen a little bit of uptick in employment in the hospitality numbers uh, over the last four to six weeks. And so I think we're trending in the right direction. I hope that that will continue to be the case. It's good for me to see a lot of familiar faces because of course I eat out a lot. I joke that it's my hobby. (laughs) And it's nice for me to see some of these familiar faces back in these restaurants. So I think we're getting there just uh, slowly but surely.
0: Is the tourism and convention sector of the economy uh, going to pick up where things left off in March of last year, or is this gonna be a gradual build back?
2: So I think it's a little bit of both. I think that we will start to see um, the fall look much more like a normal year for us, but I think it's going to take some time well into 2022 for our hotel uh, rates to recover. You can't just go from charging someone $89 a night to flipping a switch and charging them $169 a night. You have to grow that rate back incrementally. And so for us, We won't declare it a total recovery until we get right back to where we were prior to the pandemic. But in terms of people and welcoming folks into the city, I think you'll start to see that. Um, feel much more normal
0: there is some major news out of Keeneland which is such a draw in central Kentucky one is the Railbird Music Festival and then that one is the fall meet in October where they're going to have it's going to be back to normal
2: absolutely that was fantastic news yesterday everyone in our office let out a collective cheer when we got that that notice from the Keeneland team Really excited about the fall. If Railbird is any indication of pent up demand, then we are going to have record numbers of, of uh, attendees at Keeneland this fall. So Railbird's the last weekend in August, and as a matter of fact, we've sold nearly 27,000 tickets to date. This is more than double what we sold in our inaugural year and in let me hear that
0: number again. What?
2: 27,000.
0: To Railbird already? To
2: Railbird already. And we still have a few tickets to sell and uh, we're going to have a fantastic weekend of music and entertainment and all things equine and bourbon. So, and, and also what's fantastic about it is we've sold tickets to nearly every state in this country. So we have people coming in east coast, west coast. As far as Alaska, it's, it's fantastic. So
0: you sell the tickets, but talk about those who take advantage of the crowd, both at RailBird and then when Keeneland is uh, is rolling normally.
2: Yes, well, obviously, um, we're very proud of what we have to offer from a visitor experience, and part of what makes that happen is the just all the wonderful attractions, restaurants, bars, live entertainment venues that we have, and so we expect these people to be... Um, Rolling out the the blue carpet as we say here in Lexington and giving people uh, fantastic experiences. We are really well known for our hospitality, I think that we have a, a certain brand of it that even exceeds. Um, you know your typical southern hospitality and part of that's just because the locals are so proud and so happy to share this hometown with with guests and so I think it's going to be a great fall for our hospitality partners. Is that
0: part of your pitch to uh, conventions when they think about coming to Lexington? Of course.
2: We tell them of course that we have a beautiful city that we that we're safe that we've got a really walkable downtown and then of course we close with telling them that we're the nicest people that they'll ever meet so (laughs)
0: <laughs> and they come and experience that, right? That's right. Uh, t- town branch, you know, a, a visionary, a work in progress. Do you expect it to be an asset uh, eventually both for the the locals as well as a, a draw to the city?
2: Without a doubt. I think it's spectacular. So you can actually see quite a bit of the work that is part of the town branch commons through downtown already um, complete. And you can really begin to see how this linear park, these pocket parks throughout downtown, are going to give um, give people walking in downtown, driving in downtown, a much more pleasant experience. And then I think as far as Town Branch Park goes, it's just gonna be a tremendous um, asset, almost like the living room to our city. And a welcome invitation for folks that are here locally, a great gathering place. You know, a park has a way of bringing people together from all different walks of life. Um, And I think there's an opportunity with the convention center to obviously use the park as an extension, an outdoor extension of that facility. So it'll be great for our guests as well.
0: Who does Lexington market to? You know, when you're out, from tourism and a convention standpoint, who wants to come here?
2: Well, of course, I would say that we market to anyone and everyone, right? right? Of course. Well, we we welcome folks from all walks of life. Of course, there are some things that are just naturals for Lexington, so we definitely talk to equine enthusiasts. Between the horse park and uh, Keeneland, we've got all kinds of folks with the love of the horse that are just, you know, as happy as could be here in town. Clearly, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail has been on an upward trajectory for the last 15 years. We do not see, we do not see that slowing down anytime soon. So we talk to bourbon enthusiasts. Um, we, t- we have a really strong regional drive market in terms of people coming to visit. So we talk, you know, folks in Illinois, Indiana, uh, Michigan, we, we get a really good um, travel pattern from folks coming from, that, from those states. In the convention business, it depends. It's a little bit different. Uh, We obviously are looking for groups that need the type of space that we have to offer, so um, I'm very pleased to say that with this new expansion, we are going to be able to go after to recruit uh, up to about 90% of that national meeting business, which just puts us in a completely different level of competition, and so very excited about the new groups that we'll yeah. be able to host here.
0: And you'll still have the, the, the statewide association for like to have their, their annual trip to Lexington, Of course. Right? <laughs>
2: we have to take good care of our Kentucky folks first. So
0: what could the area do better uh, in terms of uh, marketing? And, and I guess when I say there, should, should there maybe be a more regional approach to, uh, to tourism, do you think?
2: So I, I know this much, the visitors do not know where our county lines are and they don't care about the county lines. If you think about when you're out on the road, you're just looking for what you can do in the area. And so I am very pleased that I have a good working relationship with my colleagues in the contiguous counties. We, we get together once a month. We do um, try to share as much as we can collaboratively in that marketing approach. We know that if we... Um, market ourselves as a region that we can keep people here for more than a night or two that we can give them a reason to stay for three or four nights and we love extending that stay with our visitors and so i do think there is tremendous advantage to to looking at marketing of a tourism product in a in a very regional capacity
0: Mary Quinn Raymer, thank you. We appreciate you very much for coming. 27,000 tickets at that, that's still
2: <laughs> You better <laughs> that's get amazing. yours if you want to get them before <laughs> right. they're totally sold out. All it's right. great news.
0: Thank you so much for coming. Thank we you for having it. me. And we hope you'll stay with us. We will be right back on Kentucky Newsmakers. And welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Tuesday, the Pentagon announced it expects to pull all U.S. combat forces from Afghanistan by the end of August. That is roughly two weeks before President Biden's original September 11th deadline. But the violence is still raging there. Our chief national political analyst Greta Van Susteren explains.
3: Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. The U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, 90 percent complete, but the region growing more and more unstable, the Taliban ramping up its offensive, ambushing provincial capitals, seizing control of more than 100 districts. Over the last few months, tens of thousands of families have been forced to flee. Hundreds of Afghan soldiers have surrendered weapons and territory. And last Sunday, more than 1,000 Afghan troops retreated across the northeast border to Tajikistan. Now, Tajikistan is mobilizing 20,000 military reservists to stabilize its border. Russia says it will get involved if necessary, and several countries are closing their consulates in Afghanistan or reducing their services. This week, Iran hosted the first high-level Afghan-Taliban peace talks in months. According to Reuters, the Taliban plans to present a written peace proposal as soon as next month. State Department spokesperson Ned Price spoke on the situation earlier this week.
1: A negotiated settlement between the parties, uh, in this case, the Islamic Republic and the Taliban, is the only way to end 40 years uh, of war and to bring to Afghanistan uh, the peace that the Afghan people both want uh, and deserve.
3: He says the world will not accept an imposition by force of a government in Afghanistan. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you.
0: A reminder that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren coming up this morning at 1130 on WKYT after Face the Nation. And that is Kentucky Newsmakers. We certainly do want to thank you for joining us. I'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT this morning and on the news throughout the week, and we hope you make it a good week ahead.